Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you. More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Today we have feedback from Christopher on the subject of long asses. <laughs> well, you just said it was long ass feedback. Uh, What's the actual subject? Genres. Genres! Okay. Today we have feedback from Christopher on the subject of genres. Christopher says... In episode 952, you talked about the difference between setting-based genres, such as science fiction or fantasy, and more formulaic genres, such as romance or mystery. Your discussion made me take a critical look at a couple of novels I've been writing that had stalled out a few months ago. I decided to strip everything out until I reached the core element of the story. Once I removed the setting and other extraneous details, even the plot I had planned out, I realized the reason they stalled. I thought I was writing epic science fiction and fantasy. It turns out I'm writing romance novels within these settings. Aha! The good news, obviously, is now I know what I need to do to get them moving again. I know what I need to research. I know what plot beats I absolutely have to hit in order to fulfill expectations. The bad news is simply that I've wasted more than a year thinking I was writing one type of story when I was writing a completely different one. <laughs> Which means the beats I thought I was targeting were completely different from the ones I actually needed. Is there a way for other beginning writers to drill into the true story they're telling faster so they don't lose as much time? Well, the uh, in your particular case, you would have had a much faster time if you had read a lot of family sagas and uh, stuff like uh, Ken Follett tends to write. Uh, the thrillers that he writes are basically all structured like romance novels, and they're romance novels set in big, sweeping, epic circumstances. Whether it's around the building of a cathedral in a multi-generational family saga, or it's set around a uh, spy trying to escape England to get back to Germany in uh, World War II. Or one of those, one of the ones he did that's most explicitly like this is a spy story set in Afghanistan during the British occupation of Af Afghanistan. It's called Lie Down with Lions, and it is definitely a romance that's dressed up as a spy thriller. Mm. But uh, reading a little more widely... Yeah is the way to do this. If you're someone who tends to write at genre uh, intersection points, mm -hmm. you want to have at least a familiarity with the genres that you're writing in, even if they're not genres that you typically read. And this is one of the weird things that happens with writers. Sometimes the stuff that we love to read is not the stuff that we're good at writing or the stuff that we want to write. I, I would add to that, read more widely than you think you are interested in writing. Yeah. Because... The process he's described is he's writing a he's suddenly writing a genre that he may not be familiar with at all. Mm -hmm. um, but because it has the setting 
of a oh. genre he's familiar with. He's right. assuming that it's this genre. Right. So read. Yeah, especially if if you're writing in the meta genres like science fiction or western or whatnot mm-hmm. that are defined primarily by setting. You want to be familiar with the formula genres. Yes. I, find, and, and I mean, I find romances kind of boring, but I write them. All of my books have heavy, heavy romantic elements, and I, well, or almost all. Okay. And because of that, I occasionally mis- will pick up a Harlequin romance yeah, y- just to refresh right, the but template. Y- you're making an, an error here. Okay. A romance isn't a story that has a romance in it or has ro- no, romance true. elements in it. A romance is about the courtship. Yes. And the reason it is boring to people like you and me is that generally speaking for us, the courtship, the process of getting together is like the least interesting part of a person's relationship. Yeah. And so a romance ends when the story gets interesting to to us. It's like Uh, you're together, now you get to go off and have adventures, but you stop. Mm -hmm. And, And we're like go off into the sunset and conquer the West together, that's when the story's interesting. Right. That's true. But the romance is all about the getting together. Right. But the way that I tend to write stories, I very rarely start with couples that are already together. True. So I have to know sort of the formula in order to go into the place that I want to with these Mm. things. And because of that, I do pick up, every few years I'll pick up a Harlequin romance and I'll refresh that, or I'll pick up a horror novel and refresh that. I keep, you know, I, I don't read a lot in the genres that I don't write, but, or that I don't like, but I do read enough that I keep the story templates fresh in my head. Mm, yeah. So um, that would be the primary bit of advice I guess I'd give. Especially for the kind of thing that you're writing, and if you're writing in meta genres, the other thing to do is read the big books in meta genres, um, the, like the best science fiction stories right, of the, the year. Well, the not, ro- no, I don't mean big in the sense of popular. I mean okay. big in the sense of ambition. Um, okay, so. and, and you're not talk, and you're also not talking about like the collected short stories of right. a particular genre. For right. But so like if you're writing science fiction epics, then you're probably going to be tempted to read like the Lois McMaster Bajold series and Dune and you should, mm-hmm. but you should also look at some of the more ambitious, influential books from the early days of the genre, because those are the books that set the templates for how the epics work. The Barzoom books by Edgar Rice Burroughs, for example, they are, they're, they're so old in science fiction that they're on the cusp of what used to be called the scientific romance, which was a genre written by Jules Verne and Edgar Rice Burroughs and then people in the Victorian era, where they took the, um, the romantic vision of, um, you know, big feelings and big aspirations and big, uh, big romance and put them into all these wild settings. And so they, they had a tendency to feel very much like ancient mythology Mm. because they had this mix of all these elements that in today's hyper-specific genre fiction niches, they've been distilled out. Mm -hmm. And so you tend to have a very narrow focus on a singular part of the human condition. And the older scientific romances, the older historical fiction, stuff like that, when the audiences were more general, you got one of the reasons you got the big sweep was because the audiences were more general, 
they played to more parts of the human condition. Mm. It's sort of the difference between gourmet cooking and fast food, right? Okay. Fast food and uh, confectionery and stuff like that, they're all very specialized, focused, designed to give you a specific kind of taste experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas a gourmet meal blends either in one dish or by serving up a course of dishes that interact with each other on the palate. Mm -hmm. They incorporate those same elements, but they create a larger context within that which they exist mm -hmm. and thus give you that feeling of big expansiveness. Mm -hmm. um, you get the same kind of thing in fusion music genres mm -hmm. like um, Baroque symphonies and prog rock and mm -hmm. um, rock opera mm -hmm. and jazz symphonies and stuff like that, mm -hmm. where they're pulling structural elements from different genres and putting them together to give you this sort of blended flavor and scope where each element is still distinct, but its presence alongside other elements really sets it off. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher, when you're writing the kind of thing that you describe, one of the things, one of the reasons that you install out is that you lose focus on what is the dominant theme in the symphony. Mm. And you have to have the dominant theme for the symphony to tie together. It's like, um, uh, well, like Rhapsody in Blue. Mm -hmm. um, Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin has a very simple theme. Dun, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But it's inflected through all these styles from easy New York jazz to Harlem jazz to uh, military march to broad, sweeping, romantic, very soft, Baroque music, and it just moves from one to the other to the other. And it's the same theme inflected in all these different styles, but the theme unites all of it. Right. And you need to have those uniting themes that push through the whole book so that all of the other elements can coalesce. Now that you've drilled down and figured out you're writing a romance, you've got your uniting theme, you can pull everything else back in mm. as long as you remember what the dominant theme is and play that theme in those different contexts. And you don't want to change themes every other chapter unless you're doing it entirely on purpose and are content with the idea that your work is going to confuse people or throw them off. Because that sort of experimentation is where new genres come in, where yes. you, you do something that is crazy and doesn't, doesn't seem... Doesn't quite map to anything that exists. Yeah. That nobody thinks will work, but some people can pull that off. Yep. Just accept that it might not work. Yep. Uh, well, that's what risk-taking is about. Yeah. Thank you very much for the question, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.